Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 149. We are now officially switched into season mode where these podcasts will come out on Tuesday morning because it takes that long for me to watch uh, all the preseason games and it's going to be a fun time of year. Um... This weekend marked the start of the preseason with all 32 teams uh, playing their first preseason games. I guess in one case, two teams playing their second, technically. Uh, it's so fun, too, because we didn't have preseason games last year because of COVID. But this year, dynasty freaks like you and me, we can joyfully cheer on the rookies that are on our teams and keep an eye out for those bottom-of-the-roster players to add or drop before the roster cut date. And thanks to NFL Game Pass, um, I was able to watch all the preseason games this weekend and and I just wanted to give you what I'll be doing during this preseason, just a few things that stood out to me from a dynasty perspective. So let's run them down. I think I have 11 of them here. Uh, first one, I'll talk about Mac Jones, the Patriots running backs, and Jarrett Patterson. Um, I think that this competition uh, at the quarterback position for New England's going to be much tougher training camp battle than I initially thought that it would be. Uh, Mac Jones looked very comfortable with the offense. Uh, he had good footwork, made quick reads and decisions, was mostly accurate, though he did miss a guy, miss guys a few times. Uh, the offense looked very different when Jones was playing. Uh, he was in the shotgun a lot more, and they were a lot more spread. Uh, made me wonder if New England would even ever consider using both quarterbacks and bring Cam Newton in for special situations or something like that. Because I really can't see Cam being too happy about being a backup if Jones really was to win the job. But maybe a special offensive role would appease him or make things more difficult during the process. It's going to be a battle to keep watching. Jones did uh, pretty well. As for the Patriot running backs, uh, they looked great, actually, no matter who was playing. So Damian Harris, Sonny Michelle, and Ramondre Stevenson played well. Stevenson had the big 91-yard touchdown run and a tough goal line run later in the game. Uh, Harris uh, started the game and had several uh, runs between the tackles on sweeps. And uh, and on sweeps, uh, he appears to be the clear-cut lead back but Michelle, uh, much to the surprise, at least my surprise, looked pretty impressive on several of his runs with the second team, too. And so this backfield could be one of the messy ones on a team that really intends to run the ball more than they pass it, too. Uh, my bets are still on Harris to make the you know first significant fantasy impact of the season. But the guys behind him may have more to say about it than I anticipated, leaving the dreaded uh, by-committee backfield in New England. We'll see. Then there was Jarrett Patterson from Washington. Uh, he was a real pleasant surprise late in the game. He had 40 yards on 10 carries and 30 yards receiving on four targets. Uh, he looked really swift and shifty. Uh, Coach Rivera said after the game that he really envisions a role for Patterson in the backfield. And then later we learned a few days later that they uh, cut Lamar Miller. Um, that means something. Uh, he was surprisingly not drafted after compiling a ton of yards and touchdowns in his college career at Buffalo. Uh, this week I'm adding him to a couple of my scout, to all of my scout teams, and I think I'm going to add him to a couple roster spots or two as well. Uh, he might surpass Peyton Barber to be the handcuff to Antonio Gibson, while McKissick maybe stays back in that real specific passing game's role. That's what I got out of that game. Another game we move on to, I'll talk about Quiz Watkins and Tyreek Jackson. Um, in recent weeks, uh, Watkins was getting a lot of training camp buzz, especially while first-round rookie uh, wide receiver Devonta Smith has been injured. 
he was wisely added to rosters uh, this week um, in several of my leagues before then busting out with a 79-yard touchdown, uh, really cat, short cat pass, and then a long run on Thursday. Those managers who picked him up this week feel pretty smart now, don't they? Um, it was you know, his only catch of the game, but Hertz also overthrew him uh, when he was getting behind the defense, and it could have been even a longer touchdown play. I'm not sure that he's going to have a significant role in the offense to be a consistent you know, player for dynasty managers, but he could be their big play guy, while Smith and Rager you know, would be the wide receivers to get more targets. I think he's also hurt a little bit by the fact that uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard demand a lot of targets as well. So he's worth adding to rosters, you know, like many people did last week. But I don't really imagine him hitting start our starting lineups, you know, week to week in fantasy uh, very often this year, if at all. Uh, that said, fellow, you know, second year receiver Jalen Rager, he didn't do much to impress in the preseason game. So maybe Watkins is the guy that could just surpass him by. And then I would also notice uh, a real kind of deep sleeper was Tyree Jackson. Uh, at the end of the game, I was thoroughly impressed by Tyree Jackson. I have to admit that I'd only heard of him a few times. He's a former college quarterback, converted to tight end. He's six foot seven and 249 pounds, so he looked like a beast out there. Um, if anyone can do the you know thing that Logan Thomas did last year, maybe it is this guy. You know, he is sad that he's buried in the you know depth chart because of Ertz and Goddard. But if Ertz was to get traded, like we keep hoping might happen, then Jackson would be the second guy there. And then I would add him. For now, I'm going to add him to all my scout teams and keep an eye on him and hope that I can maybe beat someone to the punch if he ever gets his opportunity because he looked really good. It's a very, very deep sleeper. Next thing I mentioned was the Detroit offense, uh, Jared Goff and Amon Ross St. Brown. I know the Lions appear to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year, uh, but I thought their first team offense actually showed some signs of life. Uh, the running game was pretty pitiful, but the first team uh, looked pretty good in the passing game. And Goff, you know, seemed like he had control of the offense and was moving the ball down the field. And I was particularly happy to see Amon Ross St. Brown uh, running with the first team, uh, mostly as the third receiver in the three receiver sets, but he snagged a couple catches for first downs, another one that got called back on a penalty. And I believe that he is going to be the top targeted wide receiver. I didn't notice I said wide receiver, not pass catcher because of, uh, because of Hawkinson. But I do think he's going to be the top targeted wide receiver. Uh, just an excellent route runner who's perfectly fitted for the slot role. And Goff, you know, likes to check things down. And so I'm, I'm glad to have St. Brown on one of my teams. I wish I had him on more. He's a player that I think I might try to put some trade offers in for this week. Another rookie that really stood out to me was Rondell Moore. Uh, Moore played a lot of snaps with the first and second team in his first preseason game. And what we liked is he was actually moved all around the field, even got two carries. His carries went only went for 16 yards, but I was just happy to see that the Cardinals were using him in this kind of a role. They had one really beautiful catch on a fade route, jumping to catch a back shoulder throw that was much taller, even though he was being covered by a guy much taller than him. Uh, he showed that he's got the talent to be a player that a defense must account for each week. So I was glad to see him relied on so heavily already in week one of the preseason. I think that bodes well for him. Next was the game uh, the, between these two quarterbacks, Justin Fields and Tua Tungabola. They were both uh, really did pretty well. Fields looked actually pretty shaky on his first few possessions. Uh, he didn't set his feet very well, uh, fled the pocket too early in my opinion. However, as the game progressed, he really looked like the dual threat star that he was drafted to be in Chicago. And the Bears actually kind of moved their offense a little bit to a lot more play action with rollouts, which gave Fields a lot more defined route progressions as well as the opportunity to run. Uh, he did really well after his first few possessions. Ended up with a touchdown run and a touchdown pass. And um, one more game like this, I think, and Andy Dalton uh, will be the backup. Nagy's reiterated again this week that Dalton is still going to start game one. 
Uh, Dalton didn't have much of an opportunity to do anything himself to prove anything, you know, of his worth. But Fields really did enough to already cause Nagy to reconsider his promise that, that Dalton will be the starter in week one, even though he doubled down again this week. As for Tua, apart from one really ugly interception that when Tua tried to force the ball into a tight space in the end zone, he looked really good too. Uh, he had some on-point uh, passes to the outside, a few uh, nice touch passes downfield, lofting them over defenders, including a 50-yard pass to Gusecki. Um, uh, he didn't have Devontae Parkers or, or Will Fuller in the game, and Jalen Waddell uh, didn't even have uh, a catch in the game, but he still distributed the ball pretty well and looked fine. It's still weird to me watching a left-handed quarterback pass the ball, <laughs> but he, he looked pretty good, and technically this is his very first preseason game since he didn't have any last year. Um, I think that he'll look better once his weapons come back, but I think he held his own uh, pretty well. Speaking of holding your own, uh, next guy to mention would be Drew Locke, along with Javante Williams. Drew Locke, oh man, hey, it looks like he's the quarterback that wants to win the job. Um, he's He definitely has the draft capital, so I think Denver wants him to win the job, so that's why he got the first preseason start, and he really made the most of it with two touchdown pa- passes, including an 80-yarder to K.J. Hamler. Bridgewater uh, really couldn't have made that kind of a throw that he made on that pass, and so that's something to keep in mind. I think that's a big reason why Locke can continue to make throws like that and really demand that, you know, the offense in the preseason. I think he's the front runner to win the job. He couldn't have looked much better during his preseason debut of this season. And then Javante Williams, he busted off a couple long, you know, 10-yard runs. Those two carries proved to be very capable of winning the job over Melvin Gordon, who now has reportedly had an injury. Um, that said, you know, Gordon, you know, didn't play, which is evidence that they really maybe see him as the number one and they're just giving him rest, or maybe it was because that injury wasn't reported uh, as it was uh, earlier today. I fully expect this year will, you know, be a split backfield between Gordon and Williams. I think they both could probably be like viable flex, you know, position starters and, and uh, worthy of an RB2 position uh, some weeks. But he looked pretty good in his first uh, debut, enough to make me think, darn, those places, two of my leagues where I have Gordon, um, I'm not sure he's going to be able to hold them off. I like, really liked seeing what I saw in the Jacksonville uh, passing game, Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault. Uh, Travis Lawrence was really less than spectacular in his pre- preseason debut, but he showed an affinity for Marvin Jones, that's for sure. The offense uh, showed a commitment to LaVisca Chenault as well. Lawrence and Jones connected on C- uh, several key receptions, including a deep third down conversion. Uh, Jones, you know, appeared to be the first target that Lawrence was looking for in the preseason. It may just be because uh, DJ Chark is out right now, but something's definitely developing between Jones, who's always just perpetually underrated as a fantasy player, even as a dynasty player when he's getting older. And then Chenault was targeted on several plays, you know, behind or just above the line of scrimmage, uh, proving that he's, you know, going to be one of these guys that gets these short passes. He definitely was actively the first read on several plays, and that's what Chenault managers really want to see from him this, this season. Uh, that he'd earn a valuable PPR role on an offense. So far, it seems to be the case, giving Chenault managers who traded up for him like for a 2020 first-round pick like I did, a little bit of hope that that's going to, to pay off. Uh, sure hope it does, but Jones and Chenault really seem to be involved uh, with Lawrence. Even though Lawrence didn't look awesome, uh, those two guys did, and you could tell they were being schemed open as well. A couple more uh, quarterbacks to talk about was uh, in Green Bay and Houston, Jordan Love and Davis Mills. Uh, Love and Mills uh, didn't blow the roof off the building, so to speak, but they they proved to be capable starters, at least in a preseason game. Uh, both of them made accurate and timely throws to receivers. Uh, they moved their offensive steadily down the field and proved to be capable backups or possibly someday future starters. 
Uh, Davis Mills has a genuine opportunity to become a starter this year. Houston drafted him in the third round, which is pretty high. And we all know about Deshaun Watson, that he may leave the team or not get to play or be suspended. And then the Texans aren't committed long-term to Tyrod Taylor. So he may have a great chance to see if Mills can beat Taylor out in the preseason. Uh, Love, as far as his part, uh, he distributed the ball pretty well and broke the stigma of reports that he played far worse than the first-round draft capital deserved. Uh, Love's not going to play this year, uh, barring an injury to Aaron Rodgers, but he could become a future in Green Bay if they do actually move on from him this year. So Mills, I think, is a must-hold player in Superflex leagues, and but Jordan Jordan Love is not far from being the same. I think you got to hold on to these guys, uh, given the opportunity that's ahead of him. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' relationship with the team soured, and even though he re-signed for one year, Rodgers' contract could be up at the end of this year, leaving Love to become the future starter there. So both Mills and Love you know, did okay. And they're players that should be held in super flex leagues. Uh, their dynasty value could skyrocket really within the next 9 to 12 months. A couple more to mention here uh, in the Indianapolis game. I'll talk about Jacob Eason and Marlon Mack. Uh, Jacob Eason moved the ball really well. He appeared to have a pretty firm grip on the offense. Um, he did have a few miscues and maybe got sacked in times that he shouldn't. But overall, he ran through his progressions pretty well and threw accurate passes to a variety of second-string wide receivers. If Carson Wentz can't fix his problems from last year, which really remains to be seen, we got to see him on the field first, uh, Eason could re- relieve him sometime there st- during the season, especially if he keeps improving during the preseason. And if he gets a couple early season starts, um, that's going to make that make it even more pressure on Wentz, which I'm not sure Wentz does very well when there's pressure on him. And so we will see what happens here. Eason actually looked uh, pretty decent, as did Sam Ellinger. Uh, he competed well as well. Pretty neat for my... Texas alumni guy. Marlon Mack, I didn't really say much about him as far as his play. Um, He didn't do much statistically, but what was neat to see was just to see him back on the field after his Achilles injury. Uh, The fact that he was back on the field and making contact, you know, getting contacted, it was really encouraging for uh, those who might be managers of Cam Akers. If you've got Cam Akers on your team, Mack is someone who you're going to be watching really closely this year, and it was just encouraging to see that he was able to come back um, as quickly as he did. Uh, really, Acres probably has one of the most volatile um, dynasty values right now, and a lot of it's going to be hinged on how we watch Marlon Mack this season. That's going to be fun. Two more uh, sets of games to mention. I'll talk about the San Diego, or oh, the LA Chargers, that is. <laughs> we'll talk about Josh Palmer and Justin Jackson. They stood out to me in this game. Josh Palmer um, is a rookie that I have added to most of my teams this year in my rookie drafts. So far, I've drafted him in the third or third round in four of my eight dynasty leagues with one more late round, uh, late rookie draft to go, so maybe I'll even have him in five. So I was extremely pleased to see him as the primary target in, you know, on the second-team offense, which actually started the game. Um, he didn't rack up a lot of yards, but he was the first target by far. Chase Daniels was looking to him first all of the time, and he caught six passes on the night. I think with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams um, taking the night off, he did what Dynasty managers wanted to see. He established himself as the wide receiver three on the team by how he played. Uh, beat reporters have uh, called him uh, a standout in practice uh, repeatedly during this offseason so far, and now we all got to see it on the field. And Mike Williams now is reported to be nursing an injury already, so Palmer could be playing, uh, getting a lot of playing time early in the season. I can't wait to see what he can do when Justin Herbert is actually the one throwing the ball instead of Chase Daniels. As for Justin Jackson, he was the first running back on the field, which really signaled to me that he must be winning the RB2 battle in LA. Uh, Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree played quite a bit too, but no one really stood out um, as the best among them. The, The Roundtree had the longest run of 25 yards. Kelly and Roundtree 
have you know far better draft capital than Justin Jackson, but Jackson had far more uh, product, production as a college player. And so I thought that he was going to be the outside one looking in, but it appears that he's going to be the next man up. Um, I dropped one of my shares of Joshua Kelly this, this week just because of what I saw in this game. I actually picked up Jarrett Patterson, which I mentioned earlier in this podcast uh, when I dropped Joshua Kelly. Uh, looks like Jackson has the lead here, but this is definitely one of the battles I want to keep watching because whoever's the number two back behind uh, Eckler is going to get a lot of play this year. Finally, let's talk about uh, the 49ers, uh, Trey Lance and Trey Sermon. The Trays, we might say, two of the Trays. Uh, Lance played you know, all but the first series of the first half, and then he also came in to play the second half's first series to run Shanahan's kind of scripted plays like he does after halftime. Um, he did enough to make clear that he should start the season as the number one quarterback, I think. Uh, he wasn't perfect, but the spark that he adds with his mobility and his arm strength with the 49ers, um, I think they already know that he's the one that they need to win. Uh, his stats show that he was 5 for 14, which doesn't look good, but he had four balls that were dropped, so it should have been 9 for 14. And then his 80-yard touchdown pass was enough to convince the home fans that were there in attendance that Lance is the player that they want to see start for sure. The 49ers may try to keep trotting out Garoppolo as their starter this preseason. Maybe, maybe, maybe just to try to coax a trade. But I think that's about the only reason they're going to do so. Um, I think Trey's going to win the job. He's just too fun uh, to watch and I think can add so many more uh, dynamics to a Shanahan offense. Trey Sermon, on the other hand, he had plenty of opportunities with nine carries and two catches, but he really didn't do anything spectacular. He only averaged 2.9 yards per carry, which is the fewest among all the running backs that played in that first preseason game. And I think the fact that Mostert didn't play in the game and that Sermon uh, didn't play well is enough for me to believe that Mostert is, is going to lead this team in touches, at least until he inevitably gets injured, which happens to him so often. Shanahan, per usual, will probably rotate his running backs pretty pretty regularly. But Mostert will be the one I think that he looks to first and still, you know, has dynasty value. I think it's fallen way too far for him recently. And I think Mostert really is going to do more than we would expect, even though all the hype is now on Trey Sermon. He's still got weeks to prove it, but in preseason game one, nothing really stood out. And Mostert's quite the athlete, so he's going to have to work hard if he's going to beat out Mostert for carries on the team. All right, those are some of my observations from week one of the preseason. Love that it's here. I'd love to talk to you guys about it too, so contact me anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's at gmail.com. Shout out to Sean. Enjoyed uh, messaging with you this last week. We'll continue to uh, interact with you guys about your rosters and your teams. I want to do the same. I'm really good on email. Promise to return every email, like I said. I would be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would really mean a lot to me so more people can find me. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate your support. As I say always, I do want to become your most trusted and independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. Get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. 